Today we want to talk to you about deliverance from the chaos of human passions. And we're going to talk about the problem today. And next week, part two, we'll talk about the answer. Now, let's remember that uh, the epistle of James is written uh, to the universal church. Or general, it's a general letter. It's not written to uh, just a specific church. It's written to the, uh, the Jewish Christians and, and uh, mainly, but there are Gentiles in it also, who are dispersed abroad. So we have a lot of different churches this letter was uh, read at. And I wanted to find out what is God trying to teach us in James? Because we have to um, realize that that when God gives us a, a letter, he wants us to know this letter and he wants us to apply the letter. So uh, what is James really trying to teach us when he wrote this letter? Well, in, in 2 Timothy 3, uh, 16 and 17, you know, basically tells us that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for um, you know, reproof for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be uh, perfect and uh, thoroughly furnished for all good works. So we know that. So we know that, you know, that, that in the scripture we read is like that. But what is James trying to teach us specifically? We know generally he's, he's going to do that in any word about what is he trying to do. Well, I believe that he's trying to teach us how to love God, with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our minds, with all our strength, and to love others as he's loved us. I think he's trying to teach us that. Even though we may not see it in those terms, that's what he's trying to teach us. And sometimes you want to say, well, well then, if he's trying to teach us how to love him, then, you know, why... Won't anybody love God? We, we're supposed to love God. I mean, it's, it's just normal. We're supposed to love God, especially as Christians, because we're talking to Christians there. We're not talking about the, the world. We're talking about the church. Those who are dispersed abroad, he, James is talking about. So he was talking to the church. Why, won't, why would he have to mention that? I believe that there's, there, there becomes uh, a spirit of fear that tries to attack anyone in the church. Anyone who's a Christian. I believe that we are afraid sometimes that God is not really going to take care of us. Even though we know it theologically, in our head, somehow it's not in our heart and in our total being that we truly can do what he tells us to do in spite of our circumstances. See, I think circumstances come to Test those things. So we have to say, you know, perfect love cast out fear. I'm not going to be in fear because there's torment in fear. I'm not going to be in fear. I'm going to trust God. Regardless of what I see, regardless of the situation, as Barry was saying about the, 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 um, the grandmother and, and the uh, mother who lost their, their children. And the thing is that uh, God loved them more than the parents did, and the grandparents. And it's hard to believe that God will allow that to happen if he loves them. 
Because we wouldn't allow it to happen if we could do anything about it. But we have to remember, all good gifts come from above. God is not, uh, God is not one who's gonna try to kill, steal, and destroy. That's part of the enemy's territory. And so regardless of what happens, we have to know that somehow, I might not understand, but somehow, I know that God's going to make it okay. And uh, another part is that he says that, you know, we need to love others like, uh, really, I have loved you. Now, that is very hard sometimes in our circumstances also because sometimes people rub us the wrong way, in which James is talking about. And he says in 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 23 and 24, he says that all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. He says all things are lawful, but not all things are, you know, it really really just, um, what, what he call just, it's, it's profitable, it's not profitable, but sometimes, you know, it's just not expedient for you to do some things. Even though it might be lawful for you to do it, it's not, it doesn't bring about the grace of God. So he says that uh, let no one, really let no one, uh, uh, really treat his neighbor other than good. Let no one. Let him always do what is good to his neighbor. And so he's telling us how to treat others. And so James is talking about this. And let's look at it. And if you look at um, the first chapter in review, and what, that's what I want you all to do, um, is to meditate on the Word of God. Meditate on it. And get it down in you so that you can do it. Our first chapter, what are some of the highlights of the first chapter? And you'll see these things come out. When it, especially, let's, say, let's talk about loving God. He says that count it all joy when you fall into various trials. He wants you to consider it joy. Uh, because he knows that the trial of our faith worketh patience or endurance. That's what he says. So he's saying that these circumstances that come to you, they are actually trying your trust, your leaning on, your relying on totally on me. That's what's happening. And if, if you, if you uh, fall back and fall to, uh, you know, in, 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 the, in the day of testing, you don't have much strength. That's another scripture that he says somewhere that, you know, that, that you, you got to have strength when you're testing and come. You can't just you know, fold up when, when, when testing come. And when we're in church and everything is going la-la-da, you know, we sing and we're happy and everything. And then you walk outside the door and your car, uh, you know, your tires are flat. Your car won't start. You know, you might need a starter. You know, uh, you might need a battery. You don't have any money. You, now, you know, are you going to be joyful? It's where the rubber meets the road. We have to realize that these things, James is trying to teach the, the church. And he's trying to teach us also. He also tells us that uh, not only are you going to count all joy when you fall in these various trials, um, he said that, you know, really, what I want you to do is let endurance have its perfect works, that you may be, you know, entire and wanting nothing. He says that if you lack any wisdom on this subject, what I want you to do is I want you to ask God. Ask him. And he'll give it liberally to you. He'll give it to you uh, abundantly. He's not going to find fault in you when he gives, gives you wisdom. But if you're going to ask for wisdom, don't doubt. No doubting should be coming when you're asking God for wisdom because he's going to give it to you. He says that a double-minded man, of course, is unstable in all his ways. 
You know, he says this in chapter 1. In other parts of chapter 1 that you can use, he talks about that thoroughly you can use when you're talking to somebody else and in your own life. He says that um, you want to make sure that when you're tested, you're not thinking that God is tempting you because God can't be tempted by evil. He says that, which I reviewed last week. Then he went on into chapter 2. He talked about um, partiality. He said, you know, uh, uh, you can't be partial. He, went and he talked about that. He told us that, that you know, you, 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 can, you try to keep one part of the law and don't keep all of the law. You know, you, you, you're still a sinner. So don't even try to do that. You know, this is, we're in grace. And so the Jewish Christians don't try to pick out what you're going to do. Uh, whether it be somebody coming in your congregation or this, this wealthy, somebody coming in the pool. Don't be judging according to that. And he also tells them that, you know, of course, judgment is going to be merciless without uh, those who have shown mercy. If you haven't shown mercy, you're not going to receive mercy in judgment day. And so that's a wake-up call for all of us. Uh, he goes on and talks about um, faith and works in chapter 2. These are things that, that you, if you meditate on, you'll be able to uh, just keep in your heart and your mind, and you, you'll know James. And there are some people who know books of the Bible. They can, they can quote a lot of parts of, uh, the, you know, a lot of the books of the Bible. But it comes through meditation. It comes through, you know, just going over it and reviewing it. Then in chapter 3, we talked about the tongue. And we talked thoroughly about that. And then we went into the last week, we talked about wisdom from above as well as wisdom from beneath, uh, demonic wisdom. There was, there was controversy in the church, wasn't it? Uh, he, he's talking to the church. So he says that where envy is, where, you know, there's selfish ambition is going on, what happens, there, there is, um, you know, disorder in every evil work. That's what he said. That's going on in the church. Then we pick it up right in chapter 4, and that's where we are today. And he's still talking about things that cause contention in your homes, in your relationships, in the church. These are things that cause problems in the church. He just finished talking about one thing that caused problems, envying or jealousy, bitter jealousy. And he talked about, you know, um, also selfish ambition. Now he's going to talk about something different. Let's look at it in chapter 1 of James. Or chapter 4 of James, verse 1. What is a source of quarrels and conflicts among you? So he's asking a question. This is a church again. Not only were they having problems with each other, dealing with jealousy and selfish ambition, they were having problems with each other because they were quarreling and they had conflict with each other. And conflict really is just where, if you, if you think of symbols, symbols clash. And you have two symbols, and, and they, you put them together, they'll clash. If you put them together uh, hard enough, they'll clash. Well, that's what happens when you talk about conflicts. Conflicts are just when two people clash because of difference of opinion, difference of interest, etc. Do you think that happens in the church today? You know, it, it, you know, people, I mean, we just differ. I, I really believe that everyone in their marriage, they differ on some issues. I don't believe that, that everything, you feel the same about everything. 
I just don't believe it. You know, because we are different. So we're going to have different opinions. So therefore, God is trying to explain to us how are we going to operate in the church of the living God? How are we going to operate in our workplaces? How are we going to operate in our homes when there are conflict? What are we to do? Where do they come from anyway? That's what he's asking. He said, is it not the source of your pleasures? And that word pleasures, in the Greek, you're reading it from the, uh, the, the New American Standard Bible, but pleasures actually mean lust. That's what it means, lust. And see, so he's tell, telling us that what's happening is that you are lusting. And lusting <clears throat> is an interesting word. Is because, have you ever heard of a, a, a hedonist? Well, that's that, the way that, uh, that's, that's, that's that Greek word. That's where the English word comes from. It comes from this word. And a hedonist is a person who lives for pleasure. That's what they do. Lives for pleasure. And hedonism basically is a, is a teaching, a doctrine, a worldly doctrine basically that tells you that, you know, that the chief aim in life is to gratify your pleasures. That's our moral responsibility. We've reached our, our moral end when we have gratified our pleasures, our flesh. That doesn't sound too good, does it? Well, he says that this is what's happening in the church. That's what James said. Now, we know that other things are happening. We know that. But he said this is happening also in the church. So he's, he's, he's explaining it to them. He said, what happens is your, your pleasures are waging war. That means it's fighting in your members. And what it's fighting against is your right thinking about right principles and right morals. Most people have some moral principles even though they don't do them. They have them, even in the world. They know that you shouldn't steal. Even though they might steal, they know that it's wrong to steal. They don't want people to steal from them. So most people know about moral principles. And see, what's happening is that our, our pleasures, our lust, our, our desire for pleasures, they are warring against what we know to be right principles and right morals. They're at war in our members. It says that you lust and do not have. Whoa. That means that you, you desire something. You have gone outside the area of normal desire. You step over into inordinate desire. See, because there's nothing wrong with desiring something. The problem is when you start desiring it more than what God has put in us to desire, in his word to desire. Most people desire to eat when you're hungry. But if you go overboard, you can become a glutton. Is that correct? Right. Most people want to have some type of pleasure. Otherwise, you know, they, they wouldn't 
They might not go hiking. They might not, you know, things they like to do. Yeah. But when you start going overboard in pleasures and gratifying the flesh, then you get over into a situation where uh, he's saying you're in lust now. And most of the time, lust is physically. That's what it is physically most of the time. When the New Testament says it, it's talking about physical lust. Gratifying your physical needs, your physical desires. And isn't that the world's way? The world's way uh, basically is that you don't deny yourself, especially if you think that it's going to be all right. Is that correct? Nobody will find out. So you have a whole lot of stuff going on in the world, and it's in the church also. So God is saying that, look, this is not what it's supposed to be. He says you lust and do not have, so you commit murder. Now here when it's talking about murder, uh, we obviously we know that, that you, can, you can, you know, take somebody's life. Uh, but it's more talking about things that happen in our heart. You know, sometimes that, that what we do, we will hate one another dislike one another, speak ill will of one another. Uh, it kills relationships. It kills everything about uh, good things that God has told us to do. And he's saying that murder really comes out of the same heart that adultery comes out of, that, that uh, stealing comes out of. It comes out of your heart. And he's saying these thoughts, these things are just murder in embryo. So that's what he's saying here. And he's he's... You know, you're probably getting tired of listen, listening to James because it's pretty, James is pretty hard on the church. Yeah. He's, he really is. But I want to share something with you in a minute to encourage you. He says, You are envious and cannot attain. You know, you, you want something that somebody else has. You know, somebody else you, you don't feel good about. You're not clapping your hands. You're not excited about some, the good fortune that come to somebody else. If it didn't come to you. Because most of the time what we do, we're thinking that, why are so, why are so many good things happening to this person? You know? Man, they don't even do this. They don't even do that, you know? I do this and I don't know what's wrong with them. You know, this person got promoted. They don't even, they don't know half the stuff I know. You know? And we get envious over those things. And God is saying these things he doesn't want in the church. Because if you're envious over people, you must not be thinking that God is going to reward you for what you do. What, what do you. Okay? Do to you. It's not. See, if you, if you know that God has for you good things, his plans about you, for you are good, that he's going to prosper you and, and not to do you harm, that he wants you to walk in all of his ways, that, that he has plans that's going to take you uh, to him, and he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Why are you concerned with somebody else? You see, he, he, he told... One of the disciples said, didn't he? You know, do you love me, Peter? He said, oh, yeah, I love you. Do you love me? 
said it three times. Then, you know, he said, well, what about these? He said, I want you to follow me. What about these? What, what, is that? what do you have to do with them? You know, it has nothing to do with you. And see, we keep our eyes on other people, and we shouldn't be keeping our eyes on other people. Because it causes problems. Either we get puffed up because good things are happening to us and not happening to them. Or we get complacent. There's nothing going on, you know, with either anybody, you know. Or you get depressed because somebody's having, having uh, good things happening to them and it's not to you. God doesn't want that. He says it causes quarrels, you know, strife among you. It causes, you know, contention among you. God doesn't want contention in the church. He just finished telling us that the wisdom from above is first, what? Pure. First is pure. Then it's peaceable. Okay? Then it's peaceable. He says gentle, didn't he? Right? He says gentle. You know, he, he says reasonable. It's reasonable. He says it's, it's full of mercy. Right? And good fruits. He says it's unwavering. And he said it's without hypocrisy. So God wants a peaceable church, doesn't he? And you are the church. We all are the church. If you're born again, you're the church. The building is not the church. He wants us to be peaceable. He wants us to make peace wherever we go. Bring peace to the situation. This church here... The ones that scatter abroad, the ones who are listening to this, this, this letter, they are not, they are not bringing peace to situations. Their tongue is getting them in trouble. Is that correct? They're not doers of the word. They are, they are hearers, but not doers of the word. This, this church, you know, uh, they, they are, you know, don't know what, what is the difference between wisdom from above and wisdom from divine sources. And, and, and uh, wisdom from demonic sources and worldly sources. They don't know the difference. So therefore, they got all sorts of disorder in the church. All sorts of disorder in the church. And in their families. And in their relationships at work. All sorts of things going on. Is that going on today? Is there disorder in your family today? There's disorder, then you know that is not wisdom from above. That's wisdom from beneath. Is there agreement in, the, in, in your family? Is there agreement in the church? Are we all on the same page? That's where it should be in every church. Every building that the church meets, it should be that way. Whatever name they call themselves, first, second, third, you know, doesn't matter what they call them, Methodist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, uh, I don't care what you call, you know, name you want to put on it, which is not in scripture. We just want to be the church of the living God. We want to walk like Jesus walked. Let's go a little further. He says that, So you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. 
we have to know the will of God. We have to know what to ask for, how to ask for it. And that's in Scripture. He says that so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Do we ask sometimes selfishly? Or do we pray unselfishly? Are most of our prayers about us and ours? Are most of our prayers about, you know, first of all, kings, those in authority, those, you know, things that God has told us in in Timothy to pray for? Now, are we praying for the President of the United States? Are we talking about him? You need to call those things that be not as though they were with him. You know, he, he, he's who we have. So you better start speaking those things that be not as though they were, rather than speaking those things that you see that are and calling it like it is. You know, you don't want to do that because it's a stay that way. God has given us the ability to speak life into situations, to change nations. <laughs> You know, he can turn the hearts of kings just like he turns rivers of water. And our president is no different. You know, he's a president that can be turned by God. But it's going to take the prayers of the saints. It's going to be, talk, it's going to be right talking also. We need to be praying about, you know, Lynchburg, because we're here in Lynchburg. You know, we need to be praying about, you know, your family members. You need to be praying about, you know, other people's family members. You need to be praying, praying, praying. There's so much to pray about. You know, we don't have time to, you know, be talking about one another. We don't have time to be in contention and envious of one another. It's too much for that, you know, because uh, we, have, we have a lot to do. God has called us to do a lot. Let's go a little further. He says that you adulteresses. Why did he say that? Were they, were they committing Sexual adultery, you know, in the church at that time? Is he talking about that? No, he's really not talking about that. He's talking about their unfaithfulness towards him. That's what he's talking about. And that's, that's used a lot of times in, in the Old Testament for spiritual adultery. Uh, let's look at Hosea chapter 3, verse 1. It says in the NIV, the Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again. Now he's already, of course, married her because God told him to marry her because it was a, an example to Israel. And she was a, a holic. Uh, she was unfaithful. She ran off and, and she, he said, go, go, you know, go show yourself your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another, and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves Israel. Though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. God says that to us today that he wants us to turn from the, um, the world system, the ways of the world, because what happens in the ways of the world is that we're committing adultery towards him. It's unfaithfulness. 
Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, 31 through 34, it says that you can't serve two masters. Is that correct? You either love the one and hate the other, or hate the one. You can't do both. You can't do both. He said you cannot serve God and the seedfulness of wealth or riches. You can't, you can't do it. So therefore, he said, don't be anxious about what you're going to wear, what you're going to uh, eat, what you're going to put on. He said, I've taken care of all the birds of air. I've taken care of, uh, you know, everything. You know, don't worry about that. What I want you to do is seek first the kingdom, my kingdom, and my righteousness, and all those things will be added to you because I know you had need of them before you even ask. What do we concern ourselves most of will? What we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear, where we're going to live, how nice is it going to be, you know. We concern ourselves with a lot of things. And he says that, uh, you know, sufficient today are the troubles there. There's no need for you to consider tomorrow. No need to be worrying about all those things that, 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 that's going to happen tomorrow. You need to be concerned about today, you know, seeking him. And that's what some of the words came for. We need to seek God. Do you think that that James is not talking to us about it? James is talking to us. He's telling us that we need to be at the feet of Jesus. You know the songs we sing? We need to be doers of those songs we sing. You know? We need to be concerned about what pleases God. Rather than what pleases us. That's very important. Because he says that friendship with the world. Let's look at it. He says that in verse 4. Friendship with the world is hostility towards God. He said, don't you know that? What do you mean friendship with the world? You know, It involves adopting the world's interests as our own. That's what it means. Adopting the world's interests as our own. So, whatever the world likes, we like. You know, can't tell any difference between the, the world and us. God doesn't want that. Even though He loves us, He doesn't want that. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. These are hard words, aren't they? Oh, you think they're easy words? They're hard words to hear. For me, anyway. They really are. He said, do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. Now, when it, when it talks about that, it's really talking about, basically, there's two schools of thought on it. Uh, because... In this version, spirit is capitalized, and in King James is small s, and you have two different opinions. One opinion is that the, you know, the, the, the lust for spirit in us is going, you know, is going to envy, and it's going to be fighting, and it's not going to be what God wants. And if you put a capital S on it, then you have to know that God is not jealous, of course. You know, uh, he's not envious or anything like that. But then, but he desires us to be undivided towards him. 
So whatever way you want to put it, that the thing is that we need to be on fire for God. That's what he's saying. He doesn't want us divided with part, one foot in the world, one foot, you know, in the kingdom of God. He doesn't want that. He wants all of us. He's not going to share us. It says, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud and gives grace to the humble. And humility, of course, is a lowness of mind, thinking ourselves of low in comparison to God. And so we, it causes us to be obedient. That's what it causes us to do. This is the part of James, you know, um, that, that everything I've been reading in James, to me, has been very difficult when you're living in the world and you got everybody around you enjoying themselves and things like that, and you want to join in to enjoy also, you get frustrated with people, and, and as well as the world does, the world you know, when they get frustrated with people, they, they uh, go off on them. And so we tend to want to go off on people. So, you know, we kind of do the same thing that they do. And God is trying to tell us that he doesn't want us to do that. You know? As we were worshiping, uh, the, the thought came to me that, you know, Moses had a burning bush experience. Uh, God was trying to bring him into his, into his presence. So he gave him a visual sign to draw him near to him because he had a plan for him. He, God is not, wasn't interested in Moses finding out why this bush keeps burning and not burning up, you know. He wasn't interested in that. He, 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 didn't, he didn't share with Moses all the, the, I guess, the intricacies of, of why this bush is burning and not burning up. They didn't discuss it. The first thing they discussed is that I'll take off your... Your, your, your sandals, you know, take, take, take your shoes off because you're on holy ground. You're in my presence. Now, once you're in my presence, let me tell you what I have for you to do. I believe that God wants us in his presence. As, you know, Asher brought forth a word there. Uh, God wants us in his presence for a reason. And he will draw us to him. Sometimes, it might not be what you think going to draw you to him. He will use whatever he can use to draw you to him to get you in his presence. Once you're in his presence, he has some directions for you. It's like the, the um, Saul, when he was persecuting the church. God had to, you know, give him an experience to get him in his presence. Once he got him in his presence, he gave him a, his assignment. God wants to give us an assignment. That's why he wants us in his presence. Because he wants to give us our assignment, what he wants us to do. And you say, well, I know what I'm supposed to do. Don't think we know God all so well that what we heard yesterday is the word we have today. Just because we heard something last year doesn't mean that we got it all right. You know, sometimes... Uh, most of the time, it needs to be tweaked. And God would tweak it when you get into his presence. Because surely Moses thought, you know, that, hey, you know, uh, I'm through with everything. I got my life to live. I'm here, you know, with Jethro. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm married, got kids, you know. Uh, this is where I'm going to die. 
God had other plans for him. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't, uh, take him and put him in a river and, 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 and bring him up in, 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 uh, the, the, uh, house of Pharaoh just for nothing to be on a desert. He had a work for him to do. But this is 40 years later. Does he have something for you to do? I believe that God wants us in his presence to give us some assignment. God has a purpose for all of us. He has plans for all of us. And I don't know what they are. I don't even know what they are for me. Fully. Because God changed them. Yeah. But I do know that I want to be in his presence. And I don't want him to get my attention the way he has gotten my attention before. Because that's not good. You know. Sometimes when he gets your attention, that's not good. He doesn't mean to hurt you or anything like that. Sometimes we do it to ourselves, you know. But once we're there, then he explains it to us. This is what I have for you all along. And what you thought over here, I'm going to move this over here. What you thought was over here, I'm going to move it over there, you know. Saints, God has, a, has, has, has something good for you. You've got to get in his presence. And it's not going to be a one-time getting in his presence, you know. When he sent... Uh, Barnabas, and he sent uh, Paul away. Where were they? they? You know, he gave them an assignment. What were they doing before he gave them an assignment? You all remember? They, they, they were fasting and praying. They were fasting and praying. And while they were fasting and praying, the Holy Spirit speaks. You say, well, wait a minute. Paul had been serving, you know, a long time. Why didn't he tell him that before? You know? God tells us what he wants to tell us when he wants to tell us. You know? And so, now's the time that he was going to set them apart to do something. Further. Further for him. They were before God. They were in his presence. So, I'm excited about... You know, all of us getting in the presence of God. Because if you think that all you, you're supposed to do is like what Moses thought, well, I'm married, you know, I got my kids, I got a job to do with these sheep, you know, I got to move from here to over to this pasture over here, I got, I got a lot to do here. Um, you're wrong. That's not why you're here. That's not all why you're here. Yes, you're supposed to do a good job. No doubt about that. But God has a, has, has more for you, more for the church than just getting up, going to work, coming home, doing our normal things. That is not why we're here. Only. You know, don't stay home and sit and wait for God and tell your wife you're in His presence. You know, I'm not going to work until He tells me what to do. Don't do that. You know, <laughs> you know, be about doing what you're supposed to do, but get in his presence every opportunity you can because he speaks sometime in a quiet, still voice. And when he says, set aside for me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work I have called for him, the Holy Spirit was speaking. And they prayed and laid hands on the person and sent them out. My goodness gracious, that's what you want. Some of you housewives, you know, that's what you want. Don't you, don't you want to be in God's presence and for him to, you know, uh, tell you something that you're supposed to be doing? Because... Matter of fact, you're going to be held, held responsible for it on Judgment Day. And you say, well, you never did tell me, God. 
He said, well, I, I, I was trying to call you in my presence all the time. You remember, uh, you know, back in um, September the 27th, you know, you, when you, you're in a worship service, and I, and I told you uh, through uh, my servant, uh, Asher, that I was supposed to, that I wanted you to come in my presence. Oh, I thought he was just wanting to do something, prolonged worship, you know. It's a, it's a no. No, he didn't want to prolong worship. This is just something I had for you, you know. But you, did you listen to him? I, I heard him, but I, you know, I, I, this, this is Asher, man. What, man? What's Asher know? What, what good comes out of Pakistan, you know? You know, <laughs> you know I'm just kidding, you know. But, yeah. but I say, you know, didn't, didn't Jesus, didn't, didn't they tell Jesus, man, hey, you, you know, I know you, I know your sister, I know your brother, you know, I know your mom. Who are you? You mean you haven't been, nobody, you haven't learned anything. Nobody taught you anything, you know. See, we got to be willing to listen and be in the presence of God. That's about His. Father James is, he is putting a whooping on us, Lord. As they say in the old days, you know, it's, it's really good, Lord. It's a good thing, though. Because what you want, Lord, are pure vessels. You are a holy God, and you you are telling the church through James, all those scattered abroad, you are telling them that I'm calling you to purity. I'm calling you higher. I'm calling you to a different standard than the world. Because I want you to be in my presence, and I want to do things through you. He's telling us today, saints, that he's calling us to purity. He's calling us to get our lives, get the, get the stuff out, all that remains in filthiness and, and wickedness, get all that stuff out, get our tongues right, get our peace right with one another in relationships, learn how to be in peace, stop wanting your way about everything. If you don't have your way, you get mad and you want to pout. Stop that stuff because I have something for you. I'm calling you to a higher walk. He's telling us that. Because he has something for us. Yes, we want to see the sick healed. Yes, we want to see the demons cast out. Yes, we are tired of just going to doctors and they're taking our money and giving us medicines. Yes, we are tired of spending our, our, our money on a lot of herbs and supplements. Yes, we are tired, Father, of, of just making it day by day, just barely making it, holding on, waiting for you to come. We are tired of that, Lord. We want to see miracles. We want to see the deaf ears open. We want to see the blind eyes open. We want to see those who the world say they have problems emotionally. Father, we want to see those, that thing taken care of, whether it be demonically taken care of because we just speak to that spirit and we say, leave in the name of Jesus. Or whether you give us a word of wisdom that takes care of it. Father, we don't care how it's done. All we want, Father, is the power to do it. And we know all authority comes from you. That's what we want, Lord. 
So we are willing to hear the hard lessons of James because we know it's for a purpose. We know that James loves us. He loves you, Lord. You love us. You love James. You love your word. And your word is always given to us for correction, for rebuke, for instruction, and righteousness. The man of God may be complete, Thoroughly furnished for all good works. You want us to be that way, Lord. So we say thank you, Lord, for telling us the truth, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for not tickling our ears through James. Thank you, Lord, that you are telling us that you are calling us to a higher walk because you have something for us. Not just to be calling us to a higher walk so we can get ready for heaven, Lord. No, you want our work to be done here on the earth. You're trying to bring souls into the kingdom. That's what we want, Lord. We want what you want. Let us meditate on James, Lord. Let it not be just a, a Sunday message. Let it be, Lord, an everyday message where we're trying to get it in us and, and so we can try to learn it and walk it out and try to share it with others, Lord. That's what we want to do. And we'll give you all the glory and all the praise. And everybody in agreement say amen. Stand to your feet, please. Give the prayer team to come up. There's anyone that wants to give their life to the Lord. This is a time, the day is the day of salvation. If there's anyone that would say, pray for me for whatever reason, they're up here to pray. Father, we ask you to bless and keep this body to make your face shine upon them, be gracious unto them. We ask you to lift up your countenance to them and give them peace, Lord. Not only give them peace, Lord, cause them to be peacemakers, Lord, everywhere they go, the sweet fragrance of Jesus Christ will ooze out, Lord. Every time somebody touch them, every time they come near anybody, Lord, it's like perfume, Father, when somebody pass by, you smell it, Lord. That's how we want people to smell your fragrance, Lord, when we pass by. And they'll say, oh, I know it's something different about them. I know something different. They have a different walk. They have a different talk. Let it be, Lord, in the name of Jesus.